Okay, if you have your Bibles, open it to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be going into chapter 9 just a little bit. But as I was thinking about this morning and studying, putting together some things for the studies I'm going to be doing in Mexico, as well as thinking about this morning, as well as last Thursday when we went through Romans 9, I was impressed about a few things that we've talked about the last couple of weeks in Romans chapter 8. And there's two things in particular that have been instrumental and foundational in my Christian life that have been of such substance that it has marked a change in who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I remember when these two things were presented to me, it took place at a pastor's conference years ago up in Twin Peaks when I was on staff over in Pasadena at the Calvary Chapel there, and I was in charge of the outreach and the high school ministry and the worship ministry and, and the janitor, I think. Um, went to the conference and Pastor Chuck stood up in, in the pulpit and he stopped and he said as he could in his, you know, low and slow voice, he said, I feel the Lord has impressed upon And he went on to share a couple of things that had a powerful impact on my life. And they're two of the things that we have talked about the last two weeks in Romans chapter 8 that I want to present to you, and I hope they will impact your life as much as they have mine. Because if you can wrap your heart around this truth, it will change everything for you will change how you see and understand God and how you live your life. The first thing is that God knows what's best. Now, I know that sounds obvious. Of course he knows what's best. He's God. But do you and I recognize that he knows what's best for our lives right now right where we are at. We are going through a difficult economic time. A lot of people are without work. A lot of people are losing their homes. A lot of people have lost jobs. And we can find ourselves saying, God, what is happening? And right in the middle of this, can we understand that God knows what's happening and he knows what's best for us? Look at verse 26. In chapter 8. Again, these are things we've talked about, but I want to tie them together as we press on into chapter 9. Verse 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And when He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, in accordance to God's will. 
The Spirit of God is interceding for us for what is best because we do not know what is best. We don't. Not all the time we come to a place, Lord, what should I do with where I'm at, where I'm at right now? I don't see a door. I don't see a road. I don't know where to go. We, we had a discussion uh, Thursday night a while back where we talk about, well, when the Lord closes a door and you wait for that other door to open, but what do you do when the door closes and there's no door opening? And we talked about it just being hell in the hallway. You know, you're just sitting there waiting. Okay, give me, give me a sign. Give me something. Open somewhere. And we can despair. And we can wonder, have you forgotten me, God? Have, do you remember where I am? Do you, do you know what's taking place in my life? And you need to understand that God knows and knows what is best. He knows what is best for your life right now with whatever you're going through, whatever the circumstances, whatever the difficulties, whatever the hardships. He's aware and he knows what you need, even if you and I don't. Well, that information is only good if we also realize that not only does he know what's best, but he loves us deeply. And you have to put these together because otherwise it doesn't matter if he knows what's best if he doesn't care. But if he does care and he knows what's best, Bam. Chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> it's good. And he knows what is best. Verse 28, he says, we know that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What can we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He knows what's best, and he is for you. I believe this morning there are some here who need to understand these truths and need to have them be an anchor to their lives, to recognize God knows what's going on. He knows where you're at, what your fears are, what your concerns are, what your problems are. He identifies and understands our weakness. And you also need to understand that he loves you deeply. And if he loves you and knows what's best for you, he is going to work in all these things for the good in your life.
do we believe that? And if we believe that, where will it take us? Last week, we, talk about, we talked about Romans 8.28 being a release for us to know that we can serve God without fear of consequence. Doesn't mean we're not going to be persecuted. Doesn't mean difficult times won't happen. But God is saying, I will work in it for your good, whatever it is. If you love me, if you've been called according to the purposes I have for you, I am at work in you, and no matter what, I will accomplish good things for your life. And we talked about those good things being others-minded, not self-focused. We looked at Joseph, and we saw how God had him go through 17 years of hardship, but it was for the benefit of the whole nation Israel. We talked about Esther being basically a concubine in Xerxes' harem, and God saved the nation Israel. We talked about Jesus giving his life a ransom for many, and that God worked the good, even though it wasn't something that was naturally good, it was beneficially good, and it was good for them as well. Save Joseph, save Esther, and Christ is risen at the right hand of God. And it pushes us to know these things, to get outside of ourselves, and to care and think about others, which leads us to chapter 9, where Paul starts off and he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and un." Ceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. There is an adoption as sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, the promises. There's are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Paul has an awareness that God knows what's best for me. God loves me. He says that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I cannot be moved from him. And what does that lead him to think about? It leads him to think about his people, the nation Israel. And he knows and is overwhelmed with God's goodness, God's mercy. And it's, it's almost gives you whiplash when you go from chapter 8 to chapter 9. You're thinking, man, this is great. And all of a sudden he says, I could wish myself cursed for the nation Israel because they do not know. And he's like, man, Paul, why do you have to bum us out? We're doing so good in chapter 8. Just keep going, you know. Give us some more of those promise verses, more 828s, please, please. But what's with this whole, I, I just anguish. I can't stop from crying out because he has understood. I don't have to worry about me. God knows what's best, and God loves me. But I worry about you. And it moved Paul out of himself into a place where what he concerned himself with was no longer himself, but with those who he loved, his brothers, his kinsmen his compadres, or whatever Jewish people called themselves. Hermanos, no, that's Spanish. 
It concerned him with others. Do you realize the freedom you and I could have if we were set free from worrying about ourselves? What good could we do to help other people if we stopped worrying about ourselves? But you don't understand. I lost my job. You don't understand. My children are sick. You don't understand. God understands. He knows what's best. And he loves you completely. Do you understand that? And if you grab hold of that, all of a sudden you can say, you know what? I'm okay. I'm in Christ. How are you? And of course, we do concern ourselves with those we love. Paul did with those he loved. We do with those who we love, whether it's family, friends, coworkers. Those people closest to us now become the object of our affection, become those who our hearts go to, those who our thoughts go to, those who we care about, knowing that we have been set free. We don't have to fear what this world can do. We then go for concern for those other than ourselves. You know, I love my wife. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, you should. I love how we can be in the middle of a conversation about anything, about clothes. We could be watching TV. We could be folding clothes. <laughs> I say we. Uh, <laughs> And all of a sudden, she'll go, oh, as if there's pain. She'll go, oh. And she'll just say, God, be with my boys. It's in her heart, and she just moves. Oh, God, be with my boys. And it doesn't leave her heart, and it doesn't leave her mind. And, and I love that because... It's so selfless, and moms can be like that. Moms can be the most selfless people we know. They're the ones who stay up late with the kids when they're sick. The dads, I'm with you in spirit. (laughs) But I got to go to work in the morning. And, and they give and give and give of themselves. And, and it is the same picture that we see here. You see, at that moment when she cries out, oh, God, be with my boys, she's not thinking of herself at all. All she's thinking of is what would be beneficial for them, God, take care of them. Because that's who she cares about. And you see, if we understand these two things, that God knows what's best for us and he loves us, if we could hold on to those things, our hearts could explode for others. And we would give freely to them because we are not consumed with ourselves. And there is something freeing and not being consumed with yourself. You want to see someone who's depressed? It is someone who thinks about themselves all the time. 
You want to get bummed out, just keep thinking about you. <laughs> it's true. Now, if you want, you can think about me and you'll... No, I'm just... It's true for all of us. If we are self-focused, we lose our life. Jesus said that. If you want to seek your life, you have to lose it. But if you seek to find your life, you're going to lose it. You want life... Don't worry about yourself. It's found in being lost in him. And when you're lost in him, you love as he loves. And Paul, after this exuberance of nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, neither height nor depth, things present, things to come, angels, principalities, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, I tell you the truth, my heart is broken for my kinsmen. What are our hearts broken for? And if our hearts aren't broken for others, we need to ask ourselves why. And if our hearts are consumed with fear and worry, we need to ask ourselves, do we realize that God loves us and knows what's best? Or are we not believing what he says? And I pray that this morning we could hold on to those two pillars of truth. God loves me. He knows what's best. And it would break us free to be able to live like him. The reason Paul could live like he did is because he knew those things and then he could love and care for others to the point where he was beaten, was persecuted tremendously, but still moved forward and left an imprint in history that will not be erased. Because Jesus knew those things. He gave himself for us. And we love God because he first loved us and gave himself for us. Do you realize that other people will love God if we do the same thing? And so what I want to do this morning, I'm going to have Danny and Julie come back up. And we're going to have a time where we surrender ourselves to the Lord. That's why I said this morning was going to be a little bit different. You see, what I want to do is make room for us to embrace these things and to allow God to minister to our hearts the truth of these things. And as we worship the Lord, we're going to have a time just of reflection. I want us to be open to God speaking and ministering to us in what areas we need this work. Val, could you turn off the other set of lights? Yeah, that's good. They're mood lighting. And, and I, I don't... I don't know how to convey how much this affected me to you guys and how much I desire this for you. I don't know how to tell you how that day I can remember where I was sitting when the Lord spoke to me through those words and set me free from myself. And I want that for you guys here this morning. I want God to embrace you with the truth that he loves you perfectly and he knows what's best for you. 
And you don't have to fear or worry for anything. For anything. And I pray that you'll be set free. Father, as we meditate on these things, I believe that there are those here who are in bondage to fear, who are consumed with worry. And Lord, you desire for them to be set free. As we sing out to you, may we recognize these truths and surrender to them. That you would be our God. And if you are for us, oh God, who can be against us? What can be against us? May we embrace that this morning. Listen to these words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grains of the field which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I know some of you are consumed with worry about these things right now. And Jesus would have you hear these words and believe him and have faith in him. As we continue singing this next song, if you are in that place of worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, about your physical needs, as we worship, I'd like you to stand to your feet and worship the Lord and allow him to minister to you.
And we will pray for you even as we see you standing. Let's continue worshiping. I want you to know that the God who created heavens and the earth, the God who mountains melt at the sound of his name, knows the very number of hair on your head, that he will not let you fall, that he will care for you and watch over you, that you are dear to him and he loves you completely. He's watching over your needs and he will care for you. Those of you standing, that's your promise. I'd like to have those who are going to Vizcaino to stand up at this time, all those who are going to be going on the trip as we continue to worship. And I just would like us to uh, be prayerful for all these in our hearts, what God is going to be doing. Let's continue to worship, but I just want uh, us to be standing, those who are going. I know there's some, I think, who aren't here. But Father, our lives are in your hands. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. Father, your face shines on those who live for you. And Lord, that's what we desire. We desire to be your children, that people would see you within us. We desire, God, for your heart to grow within us. God, that we would recognize we belong to you and our hearts would overflow with love for those around us. God, that we would be consumed with your love. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to embrace and hold on to these things and live lives that are free from the burdens and the worries and the consuming things that would occupy our mind and keep us paralyzed from living for you fully. God, may those things be put aside. May we recognize who you really are, how much you really love us, and you know what's best. Lord, we yield ourselves to you. I pray that you would use us for your glory here in our community, at our places of work, in our schools, in Mexico, God. That you would use us to leave a, an impact that is everlasting in the lives of those around us. May we serve you with complete abandon, God, knowing how much you care, knowing how much you love Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's all stand together. Let's sing one last song. And I pray that we would worship God as he's worthy to be worshipped, that we'd give of him. And I pray that the Lord has ministered to your hearts this morning and has set you free from some things. And I pray that these truths would have an impact on you as I know they have had on me. God bless you guys. Enjoy your time together as we have one more song.